Mud Stories, Episode 71. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. We're here. I think for a couple of reasons. One of them, of course, is to encourage a 20, a 30, a 40, that don't worry about losing your enthusiasm for Christ. It gets stronger every day you walk with him. So that is not going to diminish as you mature. It's going to get stronger. And whatever age you are, God still has work for you. That was the still. He still has a place for you. He has work for you to do. When I came to know Jesus at 27, I thought, I was so on fire for God. I thought, oh, but surely this will fade. I mean, who could be on fire without burning up? But you know, you can. You really can. That fire is a permanent flame. It's a permanent, eternal flame that just keeps burning brighter and brighter. The scripture says that the way of the righteous is like the dawn, becoming brighter and brighter till the fullness of the day. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments. Hope to make it through your mud and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friend, welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. I am so glad you're here with me in the hustle and bustle of this holiday season. I'm so thankful to be spending this time with you no matter what you're doing today. Uh, I know here in the United States and around the world, we are preparing for Christmas. This is the Advent season, and I know you've got a ton of things that you're doing right now. I have an amazing episode to bring to you today, not only this week, but next week. You're going to hear this week part one of a two-part conversation with Liz Curtis Higgs. She's amazing. But before I tell you a little bit about Liz, I wanted to make you aware of the sponsor for this episode of the podcast, and that is audible.com. Now, I think this is an awesome episode to have Audible be our sponsor because uh, Liz is the author of over 30 books, fiction, nonfiction, children's books, and her books are on audible.com, and you can receive a free audiobook today by going to mudstoriesbook.com and signing up for a free 30-day trial. I don't know about you, but I love to listen on the go. I have a lot of driving time in the car between commuting to work and taking kids to and from school, doing errands, whatever it is I'm doing. I love reading books, essentially reading books by listening to them on the go because it makes me able to read books while I'm doing other things. And I'd love for you as we talk with Liz this week and next week about all the things. I'd love for you to be able to go over to Audible and get one of Liz's audiobooks for free. So all you have to do to sign up for that is go to mudstoriesbook.com. You can sign up for that trial. You can cancel it at any time with no cost to you, and you get to keep the book. And so I can't be more excited for that. I'm so thankful for audiobooks, and I want to encourage you to go do that today. And so uh, Liz is so generous to have offered her time to us in this season of Advent, and she is the author of more than 30 books, like I mentioned 
Washington with over 4 million copies in print, including her best-selling Bad Girls of the Bible series. She's written a book entitled The Women of Christmas, where she writes about those women, which next week we're going to talk to her a little bit more about that. And she also writes historical fiction novels. So if you're into fiction, she has so many, and they're on Audible. Liz is a national speaker whose messages are biblical, encouraging, so down to earth, and profoundly funny. She has such a sense of humor. She's such a kick. I just love it. And she's so passionate about helping believers and seekers embrace the truth of God's amazing, unchanging grace. And I think I resonate with her passion there so very much. Liz resides with her husband in Louisville, Kentucky. I hope I did her proud by pronouncing it that way. And she's blessed to live near her grown children. And she also has two twin tabby cats named Samson and Boaz, who even they teach her some about God. And so in this episode, Liz and I talk about growing older, being uh, more mature in our years. And I know um, for those of you, no matter if you're 20 or you're 40 like me or you're 60 like Liz, I think there's something for everyone in this conversation. Liz gives us so much encouragement about this these issues of comparing and competing with others and really calls us to just be encouragers of people. We talk a little bit about her writing both fiction and nonfiction, why she writes historical fiction about Scotland of all places. And she begins to share her personal mud story with us, which we'll get more into next week and really dive into her bad girls of the Bible and the women of Christmas next time. And so here is part one. Enjoy. Liz Curtis Higgs, welcome to the show. I am so glad you're here. And I'm thrilled to be with you. How fun. It is so fun. And in fact, I first heard you speak in the summer of 2012 at the She Speaks Conference in North Carolina. And you had me in stitches in the audience just with your <laughs> humor and your fun, but such a poignant message. And and then I got a chance to meet you in the fall of 2014 at Illum. And, and although I'm a little late to the game in discovering the vast sum of your work, I'm so very glad that I have and so very thankful for you. So thanks oh, for being sweet. here. I don't know about vast sum. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could name all the categories of your work at yeah. this time, but I will save it for later. <laughs> but you know, well, I have been at it a while. And you have. Can, can I just say only recently, and I'm really going to say in the last two years, maybe, am I comfortable with that having been around a while thing? <laughs> I, I really think for a long time, I, I felt like the new kid, the new kid, the new kid. Oh. And then I sort of felt like the middle kid, the middle kid, the middle kid. But um, I was on the stage at Women of Faith with Priscilla Shire. Mm. And we were just standing talking. It was before someone was going to speak and we were going to introduce them. And she said, Lizzie, I just have to say publicly, this is in Philadelphia, you know, to these 10,000 women and you, thank you so much for the years and years that you mm. have ministered to the women of Christ. And it, it hit me. And I have to be honest, not in a great way. No. <laughs> it's like, oh my word. You sound You're like, like, I'm the old lady. Yes, exactly. Oh. It's like, I think, I think this is time for the retirement party, you know? <laughs> and I know, I know Priscilla didn't mean it that way. She meant it yeah. as a, a kind, kind compliment. She has always been very gracious about those of us who are ahead. We're a generation yeah. ahead. But I just, I had not really 
sunk into that truth yet. And um, God has taken me on such a journey since then of not only saying, okay, yes, I am, I am a senior speaker now. I just have to embrace that. But actually seeing it as a marvelous thing to be in a position to take a deep breath, to let go of all the stuff that happens early on in your ministry, which is comparing, competing, worrying, all that stuff that you never want to do, but you find yourself doing. Well, I'm finally at that stage where you can really let that go and just think about encouraging. Beth Moore had an awesome tweet one day. She said, face it, we are the older generation. We must encourage the younger generation. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I tweeted her back and said, girl, are you talking to me on purpose or what? You know, because it's just right where I am and, and where she is. She is a couple years younger than me. But it's exciting. It's exciting to look across and see um, uh, Eliza Lotta, who writes for Encourage, is exactly 40 years younger than me. Yes. Exactly 40 Amazing. years younger than me. And so she's not just young enough to be my daughter, girl. She's young enough to be my granddaughter. That. <laughs> is frightening, but it's also wonderful. Wonderful. It's just wonderful. So I'm grateful to have close women friends in every decade, in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, where I am, in their 70s, in their 80s. And we're all about the same thing. We're all about helping each other. So it's it's thrilling. I love how it's a representation of the body of Christ, because each decade takes us in a different frame of mind. You know, when we're 20, we, uh, you know, think of things differently than when we're 40, like I am, uh, than when we're 60. You know, I just am hoping I will continue to grow in wisdom and maturity. And I look forward to realizing a better perspective in my 50s than I have now in my 40s, and even more so in my 60s. And the good news is, God wants to use all of us for his glory. Mm -hmm. And and we're all on the same team. But man, that comparing thing and that striving thing is so real, Liz. It's so hard. Hard yes, and it's so hard. It's so hard. I remember you shared at the if gathering at the front, you know, when we were putting yep. rocks at, at mm-hmm. the front and and just the beautiful way, uh, the rich way that you encouraged those people who are on the more, shall we say, mature track of leadership. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. it's not over, you know, and, no. and there's a lot that we can offer to people who are younger than us. And we should be doing it with joy and not preoccupied with striving. It's so hard, right. though. Yeah, it is, but it's it's exciting. I think, and you're so sweet to bring up that bit at if because that was a watershed moment for me when Jenny Allen said to me, you know, she called a bunch of us into a room and said, "I want you guys specifically to come forward and put out a rock." Hmm. I'm like, "Oh, great! What am I going to write on it, and what am I going to say?" Yeah. And God, God gave me the one word, still. Hmm. And so I'm like, "That's great, Lord!" And I'm like three people away from being up. <laughs> at the microphone. (laughs) So here we have this still and father, what do you mean still? Do you mean be still or what are you saying? And, and he did of course make it clear, but not until I'm standing there. (sighs) That's, that's one of those moments in ministry when you actually feel like an empty pitcher. You you have you feel physically like that. And you just sense that living water flowing through you. You know you have nothing to do with it. Your pitcher is empty. You brought nothing to the party. Mm -hmm. But God in his goodness had something he wanted to say. 
And he, I just was the vessel that was handy. Uh, and so he poured it out because in saying those words, I realized I finally believed those words. And it was one of those moments where I think the audience got that too. You know, it's like we, we were Absolutely. just all like in it together saying, mm-hmm. oh, wow, here's a word not from Liz, but maybe from the Lord. And I had so many women in the mature group come up to me afterwards yes. and say, oh, my word, you have no idea, Liz. You have no idea. I've been looking around at all these young women thinking, why am I here? And we're here, I think, for a couple of reasons. One of them, of course, is to encourage a 20, a 30, a 40 that don't worry about losing your enthusiasm for Christ. It gets stronger every day you walk mm. with him. So that is not going to diminish as you mature. It's going to get stronger. And whatever age you are, God still has work for you. That was the still. He still has a place for you. He has work for you to do. So I think those of us who are older need to hear that. And and then the younger need to hear it too, just so they don't, you know, become fearful as I was. When I came to know Jesus at 27, I thought I was so on fire for God. I thought, oh, but surely this will fade. Mm. I mean, who could be on fire without burning (laughs) up? But you know, you can, you really can. That fire is a permanent flame. It's a permanent eternal flame that just keeps burning brighter and brighter. And the scripture says that the, the, you know, the way of the righteous is like the dawn becoming brighter and brighter Mm -hmm. to the fullness of the day. So Anyway, Beautiful. sorry, a little passionate here. That's a subject no, dear to my heart. <laughs> I was in the room when you shared that, and I couldn't have been more thankful for your words because, um, you know, I'm turning 45 this next mm. couple months, and uh, it's kind of a pivotal time in a woman's life. You know, your yes, kids are getting older, and you're experiencing some physical changes, and and uh, you start to realize well, maybe more of my life is behind me than ahead of me, possibly, mm-hmm. you know, right. it's a, it's a really a coming to terms with a lot of different things. Our marriages are growing richer and older and yet um, needing to be deeper. And there's just so much there. And so I think when you spoke those words still in a way of being still before God, still being used by God, making yourself still available to God, because we have to choose to say yes to become a pitcher. <laughs> Otherwise, God has plenty of uh, people he'll pour into, you know. Oh, yeah. Other pictures. (laughs) Yeah. And so such an encouragement. And then also to be spurned on to, uh, you know, mentorship of people younger than us and then being daring enough to ask for mentorship from those we who are ahead uh, because we need that to pour into one another. So um, it was beautiful. Well, and that that never ends either. You know, there is no stopping point of, okay, I've got this now. It just isn't. So, you know, I look ahead to the women uh, 10 years older than me and 20 years older than me. Kay Arthur is still doing it for God. I heard her speak at an event of of a group for, of just women in ministry. So there might've been a hundred of us, 50, I don't remember the number, but small, one small room. Yeah. And Kay got up and it was all there. You know, she mm. just still had so much to share, so much on her heart. And I, my heart was just lifted up to the ceiling because, yes, still, God has a place for you. And so I think that gives us a lot of hope. 45 is a pivotal year, Jackie, and and even more so than, frankly, 40 or 50. 45 is like this middle of the thing. It's like, it's just an interesting year and a great year. I had... Uh, 
Lots of fun things. I was 45 when Bad Girls of the Bible was published. For really? Oh. Yep. My bestseller and a book that changed the trajectory of my career completely. Even though I had 12 books before it, it was the defining moment for my writing and my speaking. And, you know, you don't know that when you do it. Right. <laughs> you just write it and put it out there. And it was like, wow, Lord, look at you. Look at you go. Yeah. So, so it's, you know, there's so much yet to come. I want you to be encouraged that um, it is a pivotal year, but it's not a final year. It's an exciting one. You just, mm. you're just going to leap forward to the next thing. I know. Well, thank you for your encouragement. It has been a year. I think it's going to continue to be a year of kind of uh, tears at the surface a bit. And, uh, yes. and I think it's because we have to make a decision that we believe that we're enough in Christ, that because Absolutely. of what Jesus did, because God sent his son, you know, this Advent season, he, he sent Jesus to us as a babe in all the ways that I know you've unpacked in so many of your writings. Um, but ultimately, we have to make a choice to say yes and to believe that we're enough because of him and to dare to just do the next thing even when our feelings aren't there, you know, right. and, um, and so, uh, before we get into all, all of, um, muddy topics today, I'd love it if you just take a minute and share with everybody a little bit about your family, where you're from. And, uh, uh we've talked about some of what you love to do, but, um, <laughs> you know, just a little introduction. Maybe somebody's never heard the name Liz Curtis Higgs. And that's very possible because <laughs> I'm not a household word. <laughs> Oh, and you know, it's so like me to just jump in and talk about Jesus. But yes, I'll be glad to talk about me for two seconds. I'd um, love it. I'm, uh, I live in an old farmhouse in Kentucky. So we call it our old Kentucky home in Louisville. Louisville, L-V-L is how you pronounce Louisville. it. Louisville. Louisville. Yes. Yes. You got it. You're on it. L-V-L. Okay. Skip all the vowels. Louisville. I learned a new <laughs> right. thing today. Louisville. Yeah, I've always right. wanted to live uh, in Kentucky or Tennessee. In fact, my husband and I have uh, thought maybe we should leave Southern California and just find some property with that white picket fence along the Rolling oh, Hills yeah. Road, you know? Yeah. I might have to visit there. Anyway, well, you're in we Kentucky. have that white fence and, and I love it in Kentucky. It's a beautiful place. Born in Pennsylvania, but I've been here 34 years. So it's really home. And uh, we've got uh, Bill and I will be married 30 years in March. So super excited to celebrate that. Congratulations for that. That's awesome. It is fun. It really is. It's a real, a real marker and we're grateful. And uh, two kids, a 28 year old son, 26 year old daughter. He is that brainy guy with an MBA who has a memory that is scary. He remembers (laughs) everything. (laughs) And our daughter is an artistic type. She went to art college and she's amazing. Both great kids. They both live here in town, which is a huge blessing. So very just, I'm really, really blessed. And and it's all God's kindness. It has nothing to do with me. And so I write Monday through Thursday. And then Friday, Saturday, I'm usually off on a plane to somewhere to speak. Um, Been at this a long time. I was a speaker before I was a writer. And so... Um, so you tend you know, to think of yourself as a speaker who writes. Well, I think I'm pretty much split down the middle now. I definitely started out as a speaker who writes, but I majored in English in college. And you I've did. Always okay. I was going to ask so, you that because yeah, uh, yeah. you're, I call you a real writer. You know why? 
because I'm a science girl. I'm a nurse. I work in labor and delivery. This is my 18th year. And wow. so I help babies be born in my oh. real job. Yes. Um, and birth is just, ugh, I just can't get enough of birth. I had a lady come in just last week. She was um, a, a, a lady who spoke Thai and English, but um, mm. third baby came in eight centimeters and that baby was born within 10 minutes. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, the doctor almost missed it. So, uh, you know, it was almost my deal, but what a gift, you know, what a gift. And so I do that, but, um, I digress. I was, I was going to ask you about as you're a speaker who writes and you did English in college, you know, I call you a real writer because you write fiction and nonfiction. You do. And as a, as a person who's tried to be a blogger, well, who is a blogger? I mean, I'm working on my craft as a scientist. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, there's just something about writing fiction that's, makes me feel like it's real writing you know it's just well, so it's real, rich uh, it's hard writing it's far harder than my nonfiction. Mm-hmm. for me obviously that's not true for everybody but I do I'm so grateful first of all that I have a publisher Waterbrook Press that allows me to write fiction and nonfiction back and forth because that's really rare most publishers want you to pick one bell and ring it you know just keep ringing that same bell but um, that's just not how I'm wired. I get tired of the same ding. <laughs> so, you know, so for me, I love to go back and forth. I'll start my next novel in February and I can hardly wait to get back in story. But it is harder because you you really have nothing but a blank page in front of you. Um, you, you know, if you're writing nonfiction, you're doing research, you've got scripture, you've got, yeah. um, you know, all kinds of stories. stories and yeah. Everything you can bring in. But with fiction, you just lean in hard to the Lord and listen and say, Lord, here are these people that you've given me to tell their story. What's their story? What's going on? And it is an amazingly fun process because I have been there where I'm writing a scene and all of a sudden some character literally comes up over a hill, up over the rise and walks into my scene and starts talking. (laughs) I was going to ask you if you sort of live with the characters in your fictional books, right? It becomes like a world to you, right? It is a world. Do you get sad when the last page is written like you're saying goodbye to them? It's horrible. You know, readers will say, oh, I really miss the characters. It's like, I'm I'm sure you do. But can I just tell you what it's like for me? (laughs) Because I always say it's like going on a cruise with a dozen people and you're on the boat together for six months, eight months, a year, but it finally comes into dock and you have to hug everybody goodbye. It's hard. It's why some of us write series. So you don't have to say goodbye. You can get off in the dock and have something to eat and get right back on and carry on. But um, it, it is a different world. You are climbing into, in my case, they're historical novels. So I'm also moving in my head to 18th century Scotland. And Well, and I was going to ask you about Scotland. Yeah, Why Scotland? Well, I'm sure everybody oh, asks you that. I know. And I should have a really zippy answer. Um, <laughs> but the zippy answer really is God. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds so over-spiritualized, but it's just the truth. He, he spoke into my heart three words back in 1995, so 20 years ago, three words that changed everything for me as far as writing goes. At that point, I wrote nonfiction with a lot of humor. 
but he said to me, Scottish historical fiction. Now, the Scottish, I had never at that point been to Scotland. Uh, historical, to be honest, in school, history was probably one, one of my weaker subjects. You know, I fought to get a C plus, <laughs> maybe a B minus, maybe, but only by doing extra credit. It just, you know, it was always wars and and political stuff. And it just, if they just had taught me about the people who lived then, I would Right. That is uh, the key, anyway, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Identifying, and, seeing yourself yep. in someone else's life. Yeah. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and the best history teachers, of course, do that. But anyway, so so Scottish made no sense. History made no sense. And fiction, I had never, I read novels voraciously, but I had never written one. So I'm like, Lord, this I just got to tell you, Father, this is crazy, which means, of course, it must be him (laughs) because it it wasn't, you know, it wasn't coming out of my flesh. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. It was not coming out of a fleshly desire. It was coming out of a calling from God. Mm -hmm. So I obediently, because, wow, this was tough, booked tickets to Scotland. (laughs) I have so many frequent flyer miles, it was not a stretch. And um, my husband and I went there for our 10th anniversary. 20 years ago. And um, of course, I fell in love with the country. By then, I knew that's where something was going to happen. We pulled into one little small town in particular. I was driving left side of the road, you know, the whole bit. And I had to pull over because I was crying so hard. And I said, Bill, this this is where the story is. It's here. Hmm. And so began to do the research, began to talk to people in this tiny little community, you know, just a little village in Scotland met the minister of the local church, who was a lovely person who just happened to be a huge buff of history in Scotland for that area. What a resource. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I just, I can't even tell you. It was so clearly God. He opened so many doors. He showed me so many things um, on that first trip. I love how he does that. Mm. Oh, he's so faithful. So you heard the three words prior to even ever visiting Scotland. Yes, exactly. That's so amazing, Liz. (laughs) Oh, my word. Isn't he good? I was imagining you were like visiting there on a trip and then you heard the words. No. Oh, Oh, my word. No, the words came before, before the first trip came. And... He has always asked me to take leaps of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really not leaps if you know who's going to catch you. Okay, so let's talk about leaps of faith because I'm interested to know, you know, we'll get to your story in a minute, but I, I'm interested to know what a typical day looks like for you, not only as a writer, but as a Christ follower. So when you say, you know, God drops these words in, you're hearing him move you, call you, um, do you have typical you know, a typical morning or day in the life of Liz where you are at home and you're having, you know, Bible time and writing time, (laughs) because I think there are people out there who want to hear from God, want to hear what God's calling them to do, but it's, it's hard for them to sort through all of it to hear their three words. You know what I mean? So, so as a, for the aspiring writers out there and the aspiring people who want to be closer to Christ, what is a typical routine for you? Well, it's so boring, but I'll be glad to tell you. (laughs) Well, Well, not to us. We get to read the fruit of your work. And so we're just, you know, encouraged by you. One thing that I did, which was hugely helpful when my kids were young, is I had a separate room for writing. That is, I realize, not always practical to have such a thing. But, um, But I had to have that because for me, I... 
I get easily distracted. Oh, my word. It takes nothing for me. Are you an extrovert, Liz? Are you an extrovert? <laughs> you know, I'm honestly not. Really? Okay. No, I'm not. I, I always thought I was. Bill said to me very recently, <laughs> um, here I thought I'd married an extrovert and I married an introvert. And Isn't that it's interesting? it's probably really the truth. Okay. Now, when I'm with people, I love being with people. But... Um, but to recharge, aloneness is good oh, and no, less distractions. Yeah. A lot of aloneness. So for me, when the kids were little, I had to have that separate room. Mm -hmm. And I always say to my sisters, look, if that's out of the question in your house, then it's got to be a room that for certain hours is yours. And you, you know, you close the door and hang a sign out front and say, you know, don't bother me unless it involves you know, pain or blood. Right. Fire. <laughs> fire. Oh, that's yes. a good one. Yeah, fire yeah, yeah. for sure. But, um, and all of this obviously depends on how old your family is, what your home situation is. Right. But I just know for me, when I said, okay, the only thing that's going to happen at this desk is writing. And such that when I walk into that room, I'm already ready to write because there's nothing. I don't take phone calls. I don't eat food. I don't have people there. You know, if somebody wants to talk to me, I have to come out of that room. It's a sacred place where I meet with God. And so um, I just can't encourage you enough to take your writing or, for that matter, your time with God seriously enough to do that. You know, years ago, people talked about prayer closets. And uh, now with Priscilla's movie, we're, uh, War yeah. Room, we're thinking again about prayer, physical prayer closets. Mm -hmm. um, Post-it uh, notes. Which, <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Whatever it takes. Um, but you do, I think you have to be very intentional. For some people, honestly, it's their car. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe, maybe you've got to drive to work or drive the kids to school or whatever your deal is. Literally go out there five minutes early and sit down. Well, speaking of a ringing phone, <laughs> sorry. No worries. Uh, but you literally have to carve out a physical space without distractions, without ringing phones, without <laughs> kids pulling at your skirts. Yeah. Where just for 5, 10, 15 minutes, the only voice you're listening for is his. Mm hmm. And I'm always going to have that Bible in front of me. And I do have it on my iPhone and my iPad and all those devices. Mm -hmm. But I'm still a, I'm still a book girl. I want that me word. Too. I want to feel it in my mm -hmm. hands. I want to smell the paper. My oldest Bible, the Bible I got when I first came out of the mud and into the arms of Jesus, um, I spilled perfume on it early in my Christian walk. And I kind of love that because that paper, you know, has a lot of high content of cotton so when I whip open that Bible, that fragrance, 33 years later, still wafts out. Wow. And it's just, I mean, it truly is a fragrant aroma. So not many people have, uh, you know, you, you, we heard of smell-o-vision years ago or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> have a fragrant Bible. But smell, <laughs> you, we do attach emotion and, and con yeah. connection with smell for sure. I think I'm going to be finding myself some perfume for my Bible, Liz. <laughs> well... <laughs> You know, it is kind of lovely, or you could maybe tuck a little flat sachet, but it's just something we need to engage all our senses. So back to when I go into that writing room, um, I put on particular music. I have a candle that I light with a particular scent, and I pray, obviously, before I do anything. So I am, if you will, in the zone as a writer, but more, much more just as a woman who loves Jesus 
And when I slow down like that, and it can happen faster than you think, you know, it's like if it is going to be your car, if that's going to be your sacred space, hopefully not driving girlfriends. I want you <laughs> in your driveway. Okay. Or right. at the curb. But, um, it's, there can be, that can be as sacred as any fancy cathedral or mm-hmm. chapel or sanctuary, because where God is, that's your sanctuary. And so, um, that's where we hear from him. Now he's good. He, he's not limited to that space. He can catch you at the most unbelievable moments and give you a word. Truly, you know, you're, you're just waking up in the morning. You're just getting out of the shower. He, he's not limited. Um, but we, our physical business is limited. We, we can't always hear because our eyes, ears, nose, whatever are distracted by what's around us. And so I just can't encourage you enough to find that place today, figure out where it's going to be. And if there's a time that's right for you, a lot of people, it is morning, but for some of us, morning's the worst time. It's crazy. So maybe it's going to be, you know, the, the British take tea at four o'clock. Maybe that's going to be your quiet time or nine at night. I can't do late night. (laughs) Fall asleep (laughs) in the middle of a prayer. So that's, (laughs) but we all know our best times. Oh, and do you find that your Bible time and your writing time sort of mesh together because a lot of your writing is related to um, the the content that God is right. inspiring you to write? It is. Oftentimes my time with God is actually happening in the writing time mm-hmm. because I'm having a, an ongoing conversation with him. Right. You know, I'll, I'll put some words on the screen and I literally am like lifting them up as I go. How's this Lord? Oh, I see what you mean. Terrible. Okay. So let's back up. Let's delete that. Let's try again. And, uh, or sometimes words will flow out and you look at them on the screen and go, oh, wow, Lord, that is so you because that's <laughs> Did not, I just write that. Know, it's not even my voice. Yeah. Okay, that is not that is not typical Liz. So I, I have to acknowledge it's from him. And again, I never want to make it seem like I have a special relationship with God. This is what he offers everybody. All of us, yes. All of us. It is not special to Liz at all. My only obedience piece is to shut up and listen. (laughs) (laughs) And still ourselves, right? Yeah, still is a lot nicer than shut up. But you know, for some of us, it just is that. Well, I love, you wrote a post for Encourage a while back about what your cats taught you about (laughs) worship. Liz, okay, you know writing resonates when a person is still remembering a takeaway from something like that, a talk or a a post. And for me, it was just such a vivid example when you talked about your two cats, one of them wanting to be social all the time and cuddled up next to you and another one just wanting to be super independent and how you always make room for both of them and you have two hands to pet both of them and you feed them and love them both equally. But one is closer to you because he decides to pursue closeness with you. And that's Mm. like us with God, you know, God is waiting there and ready and able and willing, but we have to choose to carve out that time to be still and near him and listen. And it was such an encouragement that that post that you wrote. Well, I'm so grateful because that's one of the ones <laughs> I sent that in to encourage said, okay, you guys, I may have lost it on this one, <laughs> but this is, this is what my cats have taught me. Uh, and they continue to. And what's interesting about that is the second cat, the, the cat who would keep his distance and not seek me out. 
I don't know whether he's observed his brother and decided I'm missing out on something here, but he is now become as affectionate as his brother. And what that says to me, again, that spiritual message, the takeaway is it's never too late Mm. for us to get that deeper relationship with God. You know, however long you've walked with him, however long you've known him, or if you're just getting to know him and you see people much farther down the pike thinking, I'll never have that. Of course you will. It's just that matter of coming and literally sitting in his lap, of being present to him. The first cat, the cuddly cat, Sam, short for Samson. Yes. He would not only curl up, but he would put his paws on either side of my neck and gaze at me with adoration. Oh, <laughs> that makes me want a cat, Liz. Oh, oh, I know. If I could be promised I'd get a cat like that, I'd I get know. one. I know. Well, and you're not. Actually. I know. I've had cats. I've had cats for years, and many of them have been quite aloof, but not Sam. And oh. from the day I brought him home from the shelter, this is how he's been. And uh, and it just it's so amazing mm-hmm. to me when he looks up at me with that cat look of love and purr and all that. You know, just that bliss look. Obviously, I want to give him my entire attention. And um, God wants us to climb into His lap. That is. That is what he wants from us. Yes. So I love how it's never too late, like you said. And often, you know, we've talked a a bit about your life's work. And um, many of us, our life's work and our passions are born out of our personal stories, maybe times of suffering or hardship or failure. And God can and does use our adversity to not only shape us into the best version of who we can be, but equipping us to be used by him. And I know that's been true for you. So I'd love it if you'd rewind and take us back and share with us a bit about how the muddy season of your young adulthood began. I know it was uh, you were the youngest of six kids, right? And then some decisions caused you to get deeper and deeper into some mud before you were able to look up and uh, God to pull you out, like Psalm 40 says. So take us back there and share with us some of the mud you faced. Well, you know, most of us don't really plan to be a mud sister. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's like, it, you don't career track that in school. You don't go to the yeah. where they talk about, you know, diving in the mud. What do you uh, call parents. it? Bad girl season is yes, what you call it. Yeah, right. Bad mm-hmm. for a season. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it, I don't think for most of us that is ever our intent in our youth. However, for one reason or another, and you know what? I wouldn't waste a lot of time trying to figure out how you got in the mud. What matters is that you get out of the mud. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes we beat ourselves up really the rest of our lives saying, oh, if I only hadn't gone down in the mud back when I was fill in the blank, right. 17, 27, 37, whatever it is. Um, and I, I believe in a sovereign God. And he doesn't just make use of the mud uh, mm-hmm. like a like a woman who wants to get a a mud bath because it's good for your skin. Um, God doesn't just sort of say, well, I guess I have to work with this. Right. It's actually, oh, look, this is going to be the rich, fertile ground for this woman's ministry. Mm -hmm. I, it took me a while to understand that when I first was set free from my whole sex, drugs and and rock and roll decade. And it was a mess. It was the seventies. And, quote, everybody was doing it. Uh, yeah, everybody I knew was. Yeah. <laughs> because yep. of the crowd, the crowd I hung out with, we were a party crowd. 
So, and, and of course, this is all before we really understood about AIDS or STDs. It was all before, you know, we really sat down and looked at the long term of using pot, speed, Coke, and all of that. So uh, we were foolish, and I was of those the greatest fool. Um, isn't that what Paul calls himself? Mm. The greatest fool. And mm-hmm. so. What a story there. Good. Yeah. Yeah. God mm-hmm. is good. And I love Paul's story because um, I had my Damascus Road. Uh, and it was after exactly 10 years in that pit, that mud pit. Finally, like the prodigal son, uh, I finally got enough mud up my nose <laughs> to smell it. You know, it says in the Bible of the prodigal that he came to his senses. And I love that because I think for him, it literally was the sense of smell for him to realize I'm in a pig pen, you know, and, and I, I, when we have beloved ones in a pig pen, in a mud pit, and we look at them thinking, don't they know, can't they see what a mess they're in? And the truth is you cannot see or have ears to hear, or for that matter, a nose to smell until God shines that light on you and you have that aha moment where you realize and it's a dark moment usually it's a it's a it's a shame filled it's difficult it's painful yeah when you have to finally say i cannot do this life on my own for 12 steppers the first step is realizing you cannot help yourself you need someone greater than yourself right and so um I'm so grateful that day came as hard as it was for me. And standing over the edge of my muddy pit um, were two brand new believers. I mean, brand new, who had come from kind of a wild and woolly background like mine. So when they looked at me, it was not with judgment. It was with love. You know, they didn't say, Liz, you need to clean up your act. They said, Liz, God loves you. He has a plan for you and he can clean up your act. And that was just beyond good news to yeah. me because I was 27 and I thought I'd blown it. <laughs> well, and just just to give people a little bit more clarification, because maybe, you know, there maybe somebody's listening today and we're talking about mud generalities and they're thinking to themselves, yeah, but she doesn't know the mud that I've chosen, you know. Sure. And so oh, yeah. here you are working at a radio station. Um, and you have been living this life by 20 where you're hanging out at bars. You've made friends with, uh, alcohol and drugs. And I think you described on your site, uh, your marijuana love affair began at the freedom base of the Statue of Liberty. (laughs) I mean, you know, these, you can't make this up, you know, and, um, And even Howard Stern, there's a history there about uh, Liz, you really need to get your act together kind of thing. And this is where you're bringing us to this point where you're intersecting with this couple. Give give the give them a little more uh, background on on uh, how profound it was that their love compelled you that you couldn't resist it. Well, this is what we all want. We all want to feel safe and we all want to feel loved. Yes. And um, I felt very unsafe because of the life I had chosen, dragging a different guy home every night, waking up in motel rooms where the person I had spent the night with is already checked out. And Mm. I have no idea where I am, Mm -hmm. what his name was, how I got there. You know, this is some scary stuff. This is frightening. Well, and you even write in some of your fiction, the bad girls of the Bible, the intro 
has yes. that little segment mm-hmm. there, just so poignant and powerful, how that yeah. feels, you know? So I think there's people right. who can relate. So, yeah. Yep. So, you know, so that it was, it was bad. It was bad. And how many of us have been in that place where it was bad? And maybe it's not just something that we chose, like Liz or like me. Maybe it's something that has happened to you. You know, maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's financial loss. Maybe it's a kid that's just uh, making you want to pull your hair out. Do you know? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a church circumstance or situation or some complication or tension at work. You know, we all are facing something today, some kind of mud. And it is my hope in this podcast to bring you stories that not only uh, help you not to feel alone, but encourage you to see that God has not forgotten you. You are not unseen to him and he is working even what you see as being such a horrible, difficult circumstance in your life. He is working it for good and he promises to be faithful to do it. And so I just, I just want you to be filled with hope today. You're not alone and there's so much hope. And I would love for you to be able to take advantage of listening to one of Liz's books for free in preparation of us getting to talk to her again next week. And so you can go, don't forget, you can get a free audiobook today by going to mudstoriesbook.com. All you have to do is sign up for a 30-day free trial. You can cancel it at any time and you get to keep the audiobook and a portion of your trial goes to help support this podcast. And it would be such a blessing to me for you to do that. And I hope that it would bless you too. Don't forget, it also would be such a gift if you would subscribe to the show. And you can do that by going to iTunes, either on your computer or your cell phone, and you can push that subscribe button after you search for Mud Stories. And then every time I release an episode, a little red circle with a number one will pop up on your notifications and you won't miss any episode. That's also a way that iTunes is alerted that they should show more people about Mud Stories. And so it's just my greatest hope that people would be encouraged by these stories. And so, you know, if you have a friend who's going through something hard, would you consider sending them an email or a text or, you know, maybe giving them a call and letting them know about this podcast? It's just my greatest desire that these stories would bless you no matter what it is you're facing. And so, uh, As you prepare for next week, I am praying diligently for you, each and every one of you that listen. I'm praying that no matter what you're facing, no matter where you've been or what lies ahead, that you will find stillness in your everyday moments, that you will look for those things that you can be grateful for this week, and that you won't miss the reason, the greatest gift that we've been given by God is Jesus. And he is why we are celebrating and preparing and so filled with hope. I can't wait to meet you here next week. Have a blessed week. And may you find that one thing to be grateful for today. May we find a grateful song to sing. Sending so much love to you today. Have a beautiful day. Never in you ever feels a press upon my mind I pull a shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then
when I feel you next to me, you lift my head to see, your strong arm reaches to me, your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole, you wash me up with your sweet grace and Safe place again. A never ending mother feels a press upon my mind, a pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the blame, and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me. See, your strong arm reaches to me. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me off with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place. You overwhelm my broken thoughts and you Damage heart, I find myself where I belong in your safe embrace. There's a grateful song to sing, a grateful song to sing, a grateful song.